0: Hi, my name is Heather Porter, and I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, Animisma, All Things Inspirited. This podcast seeks to offer you a journey home, home to the wisdom of your ancestors, whose face you wear and whose knowing is encoded in your bones, home to your true self, who you were before the passage of this human life offered you its distractions or placed upon you its obligations, expectations and challenges or perhaps deeply conditioned and wounded you. animisma is a journey home to who you were born to be, a sovereign, complete child of the universe. That is a whole, healthy and well human. This journey home to our magnificent, beautiful, true selves provides us with an opportunity to be at peace with whoever we are at this moment in this time. It is an honorable endeavor and allows us to connect more presently and more deeply with the waters, lands, plants, spirits, and people we share space with. My heart hope is that as you join me on these journeys and explorations, your true self is gently revealed to you in all its grace, and in revealing itself to you, serves as your own soul compass, a guide providing you with an opportunity to discover what it feels like to walk deeply and beautifully aligned, With the exquisite and resilient core of your being it is my belief that the path of self-discovery is the path of integrity and therefore does not deny your shadow your pain or your hidden or wounded parts but welcomes them forward in service of revealing to you the deepest work that needs to be addressed i believe it is your birthright to be whole complete unburdened and free many today feel we are living in a time of forgetting and a time of confusion But there are still people who seek to remember, people who seek to share the sacred in our everyday lives, people who believe that everything around us is inspirited, and who seek to offer ways of connecting deeply and authentically with the untamed beauty and wildness of our hearts, and the magnificence of our shared world. These people seek honorable connections to the lands they live on, the waters they swim in, and the winds that surround them. They seek to learn the wisdom of the myriad beings that we share this precious life with and they seek to honor the wisdom of their ancestors, be they from bloodlines, that is blood relatives, spirit lines, that is the ancestry of your spirit or soul, or milk lines, that is the lines that have nourished you, though aren't related to you, such as chosen family, teachers, authors, step-parents, etc. I am one of those seekers, and Animisma is my offering as a journey home to your own wise and magnificent heartlight, and I offer this as a bridge of authentic spiritual connection, offered with honour, and offered in peace. Welcome to Animisma, all things Inspirited. I'm thrilled that you're here. Season 1 During this first season, we will follow the Celtic Wheel of the Year. Eight episodes will be dedicated to the eight traditional festivals and each episode will be released on the day of each festival, offering an opportunity for you to connect with and celebrate the festival. Season one of Animisma is also offered as a bridge towards reclaiming the indigenous wisdom of our Celtic ancestry. When I refer to Celtic, I'm referring to the collective cultural lineages of Scotland, Wales, Ireland, England, as well as lands that spread across Northern and Western Europe. There are a great many cultures covered by this, including Gaelic, Gallic, Brythonic, Pictish, Norse, Germanic, and Anglo-Saxon heritages, to name but a few. I'll describe the Celtic Wheel of the Year and the eight festivals shortly, starting with today's launch of Season 1, the magnificent celebration of Yule. So, first of all, happy solstice and good Yule to you! In a few days, it will be the Christian celebration of Christmas, so Merry Christmas. And we, about to, we are about to begin the Jewish celebration of Hanukkah, so Happy Hanukkah. I would also like to offer a very happy Kwanzaa to those listening who identify as part of the African diaspora. What a festive and grace-filled time of year this is. Whatever your celebrations are at this time of year, and however you celebrate them, I wish you a time of warmth, kinship, merriment, and joy. I suppose it's only right to offer a little about myself as we take this journey together. I'm someone who was born into this world with an ability to commune with the plants and the stars, the waters and the stones, the spirits and the sprites. I have only ever known the intricate web of life, the great interconnectivity of all things, and I've never felt separate from it. I spent a great deal of my youth and formative years in a personal study of spiritual texts and religions seeking to better understand this human life and my connection to the heart of the earth. As a child I often felt like I was the only one who could see the planet dying. I was the only one who could feel her sickness and her sadness. Sometimes I felt quite alone in this sensing and caring. I was passionate about how we were and continue to ravage the planet, harming our home, poisoning our air, our soil and our water. This deep concern and sense of individual responsibility directed my choice of academic studies, which were scientific studies of the environment and its systems, including the study of humans in relation to each other and their environments, and then the study of environmental law and policy. I am a traveler like many people born or raised in Australia. Just shy of about 20 years ago, I lived in Asia and at one point stayed in a monastery in southwestern China, living with Buddhist monks uh, while studying Shaolin Kung Fu. I studied the monks and their reverence for the earth and the sacredness of life. They were vegan, they were chaste, and they were lovingly committed to their art and their spiritual path. Almost a year after leaving the monastery, I lived in South Korea, where I read a lot about Taoism and Buddhism, ever drawn to the peace of the temples and the gentle way the Buddhists walked the earth, and treated each other with kindness and care. Though I felt a kinship to these beautiful and honorable teachings and practices, there was something deeper that pulled at me. My dreamscape has always been vivid, active, and alive. I have always asked my dreams for guidance, and they have always delivered. What I came to realize after living in Asia was that I had always been deeply drawn to the myth and the legend of my blood ancestors. The stories of wild women, of brave and honourable men, of mythical creatures, of beautiful, haunting lands and of deep and fantastical seas. Stories where being in relationship with mythical beings and spirits was normal, where speaking with the trees and the waters was understood. In response to this personal acknowledgement over the last decade, I've explored shamanic, animistic and mythic practices in hopes of better understanding the indigenous pre-Christian wisdom known to my blood ancestors. I offer you this, wherever you are, whoever you are, there is an unconditioned wisdom held within you. And it is my hope to offer pathways of revealing this wisdom to you, such that the memory of connection is awakened inside of you, offering you passage to ground deeply into the stability and wisdom of the earth, such that you can heal, thrive, and live a life aligned with your soul's purpose. I hope to offer pathways to reclaiming and resurrecting a way of being and living that offers connection to and reverence of our exquisite and extraordinary planet. I have noticed a quiet uprising among wisdom seekers and spiritual practitioners of late. We live in a complicated world, a world filled with humans, many of which live on lands that were not home to their ancestors many of which who live on lands that were forcefully taken from indigenous people, who were then slaughtered and all but wiped off the face of the earth. I was born in Australia. The passage of Australia's first peoples under the hand of the British was an abomination, in my opinion. It was genocide, written into the colonial laws that sought to establish themselves in a wild and ancient land that was home for thousands of years to many ancient cultures, who have some of the most beautiful wisdom, connection, medicine, and story I have ever known. I spoke to the spirits of the land as a child, and what I felt and what I saw was ancient and unfamiliar to my bones. They were wise and wild, the spirits of the land in Australia, and of course they continue to be. The rocks were so strange to me, I often wondered where they had come from, that is, where in the universe they had originated. They didn't feel like they came from earth, they often felt like they had come to the land to sleep and to hide, to live quietly unencumbered. I appreciated how that felt. Australia's wild places and undeveloped shores, though beautiful and wild, often felt haunted to me. There was a sadness and a sorrow I sometimes felt as I walked through the bush. I could feel a loss of connection from the earth, missing the people that had once honoured her as mother and sister, and spoken to her as friend. I would often sit with the trees quietly and listen, I'd place my hands on stones, especially in nooks by the water, and tell them that I was their friend, and that I meant them no harm. More often than not, I would find myself saying I'm sorry to the earth, and I'm sorry to the birds and the trees. I'm not sure how commonly known it is of the mass deforestation that has occurred in Australia, and I'm not sure how I knew about the loss of the trees as a small child, though I am deeply connected to trees and I'd often find myself apologizing to the land for the loss of her people and the loss of her tree children. Apologizing for the passage of my ancestors, who may not have been part of colonial armies or prisoners, but who came to Australia as free settlers and were complicit with the taking and claiming of lands that did not belong to them, and who were practitioners of a religion that denounced the old ways of knowing and did not strive to seek connection to the land they now claimed as their home. Or connection to the first people who could no longer wander the lands as they had done for thousands of years. I know my ancestors were seeking better lives for themselves and their families. My heart breaks that this was achieved while the families of the first people suffered and perished. Our histories are complicated, I have lived in the United States for 15 years and I am part of the Australian diaspora and my ancestors were part of the Irish, Scottish and British diasporas seeking health and a better way of life away from the lands of their ancestors which had been ravaged and torn and the old ways hidden or forgotten. Like my ancestors, I too travelled across the world in search of peace and prosperity and like my ancestors, I have come to live in a land that I was not born on. I am a brown-eyed, brown-haired, white-skinned woman, currently living on land that was once home to the Ute and Arapaho Nations and the Ocheti Shekaon, or Seven Council Fires. I honour the spirits of this land, and in all the ways I can, I honour the passage of the first, First Nations people of the Americas, many of whom are now living on lands that were not traditionally theirs, many who were forced to move there against their will, and for that I am deeply sorry. When I speak to the land here, I can feel the great sadness of loss that happened in this place too, loss of connection to the people who once spoke with her, loss of healthy soils and waters, the loss of nature, loss of thriving grasslands and giant herds of wild bison, elk and deer, loss of the sound of the winds through the native forests and over wild, untamed rivers. The loss of the wild and the taming of the earth has been the greatest sadness I have ever known and I have spent many years of my life in service of trying to reveal our connections to the earth, shift the narrative around the earth and polish the lens of awareness we have around our precious world and the myriad beings and spirits that inhabit her. It is in service to this that I am seeking to reclaim the indigenous wisdom of my blood ancestors, those that loved and respected the earth and her seasons those that spoke to the trees and praised the waters. The wisdom that is encoded in my bones and in yours that enables us to tread lightly and to walk with integrity wherever we are in the world. The knowing that lets us connect to wherever we find ourselves and allows us to truly feel that we are all indigenous children of the earth and that it is our charge and our honor to be of service and usher in her healing and her resurrection. Please know that I'm not always sad, not by any means. I suppose I've offered this story as one thread in the fabric of my being, a thread that generated deep and unyielding compassion within me for the passage of loss experienced by people and planet, and a thread that is woven with possibility and hope. Suppose this might be a good time to explore the first season of this podcast, and a little on why I chose the Celtic Wheel of the year. The wheel is called Many Things. In popular culture, I see it referred to as the Sacred Wheel the Celtic wheel, or calendar, the pagan's wheel, and the witch's wheel, or the eight sabbats. Some of these words hold a negative cultural charge, where those that celebrated the earth, the seasons, and often the spirits of trees and waters were non-conformist to the religious ways of colonizers and conquerors, and so their way of living and celebrating, their way of walking through the world, was labeled as evil and was intentionally destroyed by those who claimed cultural power as their own. Held in secret and protected through stories, some of the old ways were able to continue through to this day in various corners of the Celtic world, and a few of these celebrations uh, were co-opted by Christian tradition. This first episode will not be addressing the origins of the words to describe those that were not practitioners of Christianity, and please know that my goal is never to shame or bring harm to the passage of our ancestors, whatever religion they practiced. My goal is to explore and reveal the old ways of walking through this world in honor and integrity with the goal of salving our ancestral wounds so that we may walk well and healed on the earth at this time. I will speak to one word though. As my name is Heather, one of my favorite words happens to be heathen, which is derived from the people of the heath who were country people, lowland or heath dwellers and non-believers in the new Christian religion when it was brought to the Celtic lands. I personally like the description of a heathen as an untamed infidel, that is someone who does not believe in the central religion of a place or has one's own beliefs, something I feel describes me nicely and resonates with who I consider myself to be, someone with a wild and free heart. Anywho, more on the etymology of these words and reframing and reclaiming them for this modern world at a later time. Please know that I am not a scholar of this work, and though I have researched and connected with each of these eight celebrations, my hope for this first season of Animisma is to offer anyone who shares the bloodlines of my ancestors, or anyone whose soul lines or milk lines resonate with that of my bloodline, a pathway back to the old ways that welcomed us into the web of all existence, and offered us connection to presence, each other, and to the wonders of the world around us wherever we may find ourselves. Perhaps by reclaiming our indigenous wisdom, we can connect with our ancestors through the dreaming and heal our lines, atoning for their sins. Perhaps we can truthfully acknowledge the past and in doing so, claim a future of connection, respect and reverence for the lands, waters, trees, animals and all people. A future which is deeply honorable, balanced and replete with dignity and integrity. A future that seeks health as a measure of success. A future that is not built on the backs of the poor or enslaved and is instead built willingly and lovingly by community. A future that seeks to regenerate, restore and resurrect a world that was once wild, beautiful and free. Perhaps today we can claim community as connection and no matter what our bloodline, rest into the deep knowing that we are all indigenous children of the earth. I say this in all seriousness, We are in deep need of remembering our connections to each other and reminding ourselves that as one fails, so too do we all. The planetary resilience we need to generate lives inside of each of us and can be awakened by taking personal responsibility for our collective past, offering ourselves to be of service to the present, and dreaming our collective future into being. So today we launch this podcast on Yule, which we will take as the first celebration of the year the eight celebrations we will explore are Yule, Imbolc, Ostara, Beltane, Litha, Lunasa, Mabon, and Samhain. These eight celebrations are the eight points on the Celtic Wheel of the Year. The quarter points are located in the north, south, east, and west points of the wheel and are the winter and summer solstice and the spring and autumn equinoxes. These are also referred to as solar days, given that these four points mark the standing sun, solstice, where it reaches its highest point in the sky, and therefore longest day, or lowest point in the sky, and therefore shortest day, and appears to stand still, which is the Latin meaning of the word solstice. Or the equinoxes, when the sun crosses the celestial equator, and the days and the nights are of equal length. The Latin meaning of equinox derives from equus, equal, and nox, night, night. The Wheel of the Year is therefore a solar calendar and so the days the celebrations take place on are slightly different from year to year. The solstices offer us a time to pause and reflect at the half-year mark and consider where the next half-year may be heading for us. The equinoxes focus on the balance of dark and light as both are equal on these days. They are all times of seasonal transition and offer, offer us an opportunity to mark time in a conscious way as we reflect on the Earth's cycles and our own cycles woven with hers. The quarter festivals are Yule, winter solstice, Ostara, spring equinox, Litha, summer solstice and Mabon, autumn equinox or fall equinox. The cross quarter points are the four festivals that are marked in between the solstices and the equinoxes. They occur at the peak of each season and have been known as the Four Great Fire Festivals. These cross-quarter festivals offer us the time to celebrate the gifts each season offers and invite us to deeply connect with the Earth at the peak of her seasonal cycles. The cross-quarter festivals are Imbolc, Peak Winter, Beltane, Peak Spring, Lunasa, Peak Summer, and Samhain, Peak Autumn or Fall. The origins of the names of the festivals can be traced to Celtic, Norse, Anglo-Saxon, and Germanic origins. It has been posited that the modern names we use are predominantly from Irish tradition, as it is theorized that the Irish were able to keep the early literature safe from destruction during the Dark Ages, especially story around the cross quarter celebrations of Imbolc, Beltane, Lunasa, and Samhain. The solstice and equinox names are derived from Norse and Anglo-Saxon origin, with Yule being traceable back to tradition back to traditional Norse festivals. In addition to the festivals being located at points on the wheel, the elements are also associated with the quarter points. North for earth, east for air, south for fire, and west for water. The fifth element of ether, spirit, or source is located at the center of the wheel in honor of all that is unseen and yet surrounds us. The unseen worlds, the spirit at the center of our being, and the fabric of love that connects and unites us all. Each of these beautiful festivals also has trees and herbs associated with them, each with their own deep meaning and energy. This first season will only briefly refer to the plants. However, season two of Animisma has much more in store regarding trees, plants, herbs, and the celebrations of the earth. We'll have to wait one full cycle of the wheel for that discussion though. So without further ado, let us begin with Yule. For eons, celebrations of the returning light have taken place on the hibernal or winter solstice. It is a time for home, hearth, celebration and an appreciation of life and traditionally fertility represented by the evergreen trees whose emerald needles cradle the snow and whose faint voices breathe into the darkest and coldest of nights reminding us that though the earth takes pause, life remains everlasting. Today in the northern hemisphere we will experience the shortest day And the longest night of the year. Historically, bringing greenery inside offered shelter during the cold and dark days to the spirits of the forest, to the elementals and the fairy folk who resided within and tended to the trees. Trees were decorated with hopes for the coming year, coins for wealth and fruits for harvest, lights such as candles to represent the sun, moon and stars, and gifts were offered to the gods and the goddesses. From the Christian tradition, I particularly like the modern practice of topping the tree with the beautiful angel. Displaying angels, the magnificent beings of light, feels so fitting for a celebration held during the longest night. Bells were rung as protection from any dark spirits that may have surfaced during the darkest time of the year. And elves elves were celebrated, as some traditional stories held that those who created the sun, and who could persuade it to return to the earth, inhabited the land of the elves. So by giving offerings to the elves, the return of the sun from winter towards spring was guaranteed. Yule sits at the top of the Celtic wheel of the year. It is the northernmost point, the home of the element of earth. It is the midnight the longest night of the year. Yul or Juhl means wheel in Norwegian and I read that it was taboo to rotate wheels of any kind at the winter solstice for it was a time to stop and to be introspective and consider the upcoming year. This particular celebration was likely very important to those that lived in the northern places and is acknowledged by the orientation of Many important stone circles and monuments such as Stonehenge in England where the outer sarsen ring is oriented towards the midsummer I'm sorry it's oriented towards the midwinter sunset at the winter solstice and it also orients towards the midsummer sunrise at the summer solstice There are traditional gods and goddesses associated with each festival I have often read that the relationships with the gods and the goddesses of the past was one of a living relationship, where deities were not placed on a pedestal of worship, but existed in living partnership and relationship with humans. Offerings were made on a daily basis to these deities, with daily connection, communion, and partnership pursued in the old ways. Two goddesses associated with the North and Yule include, and please forgive my pronunciation, the Kelach and Ariantad. There is so very much to learn about the Kelach, whose stories are woven throughout the Celtic world. She is known as the Divine Hag, the Veiled One, a goddess of winter and weather, and the Divine Creator Woman of the world. She is also linked with fertility and renewal and is the guardian of the earth and the earth's wild places. She is the Stone Woman and the Bone Woman, who carries a staff and freezes the ground. The Kelach rules the winter months, and I read in Scottish mythology that the Kelach washes her great plaid in the, and again, please forgive my pronunciation, Corrie Vrecken, um, which is a whirlpool in Scotland, as winter approaches. The plaid begins as a tartan cloth, which, as it is washed, turns to a plain, ordinary blanket. This is the sign that autumn is changing to winter. When she has finished washing, the cloth is pure white and becomes the blanket of snow that covers the land. There are a great many more myths and legends associated with this extraordinary wise woman. I'll be traveling to Ireland towards the end of 2020 to learn more about the Kailach from Dr. Sharon Blackie, who is a scholar, author, and teacher who is committed to reclaiming the myth and legend of pre-Christian Celtic traditions. I look forward to sharing what is revealed during that trip at a later time. Arianthod is a Welsh goddess of the moon, midnight, the night sky, and the stars; fertility, rebirth, and reincarnation. She is a celestial mother goddess and a primal figure of feminine power, as she is symbolized by many things, including a silver wheel upon which she weaves cosmic time, fate, and the tapestry of life. In fact, her name translates as Arian, uh, silver, and Thod, wheel or disk. Again, please forgive my pronunciation. And if you are Welsh, I would love, love um, to be uh, tutored in the correct pronunciation. This is the pronunciation based on what I found during my research. Ariantad is associated with the sea, owls, birch and the wolf. It is said that connecting with Ariantad opens your heart to the flowing changes of the moon and the infinite possibilities of the stars. So at Yule, when all is barren, white, and silver, it is a time of stillness and quiet, a time to consult the Kelach, and a time to travel Ariantad's silver wheel to the depths of our being to consider what is being held there in the quiet darkness and what is seeking to be revealed and birthed into life as the sun slowly and quietly returns to us. Rebirth and birth itself are common themes around Yule. One such story is that of the Sun King, who ripened the harvest at Lunasa and was sacrificed back into the land within a seed, symbolic of the sun withdrawing and the energy going within. He remains underground as the Dark Lord of the Underworld, also known as Pluto or Hades or the Grim Reaper. And at the winter solstice, he is reborn as the Lord of Light, the Sun King or Sun God. Other stories of the holly king and the oak king are offered at this time, with the holly king ruling over the dark part of the year and the oak king ruling over the light part of the year. I will save these stories for season two when we will honour these celebrations through the lens of the trees and the plants. There are many ways to celebrate the seasons. If gods and goddesses do not call to you, perhaps consider celebrating the unity of what many call the divine masculine and divine feminine in service of, as Glennie Kindred says, healing the wounds of separation, fear and dominance our world has experienced in honor of a new cycle and a new path forward for humanity. So now I will undertake a meditation and a ritual with you. And so I would ask that you find a comfortable, warm, and quiet place to sit or lie down and close your eyes. Feel the strength of the earth beneath you, holding you gently. We gratefully acknowledge all of the wise and the well ancestors and the bright and benevolent helping spirits that come to guide us and support us as we request from them their presence and protection. We gratefully acknowledge the elements the seasons, especially winter at this time, the guardians of the four winds, the light beings, and the spirits of the plants, stones, and stars. In all things we do, today and always, we ask that they be completed in a good way, for the benefit of all. In celebration of the return of the light, I invite you to take a moment in quiet contemplation for the year past, its successes and its challenges, its highs and its lows. May your deepest gratitude be offered to the year and may its lessons join you on your forward journey. May your voice and your heart be in alignment and may the delicate winter light that now slowly and steadily returns illuminate within you all that is ready for pruning, purging and renewal. May you gently farewell old habits, old words and old ways that are not in service of integrity health, and highest self. If you are called to a ritual for the evening, in addition to taking time for contemplation and gratitude, perhaps consider writing down all that is ready to leave you on a piece of paper, or perhaps write a word or two on some bay leaves and offer them to a strong and well-contained fire. Do be sure to connect with the spirit of the fire first. Thank it for its partnership and its gifts of life-giving warmth and light. And let everything that no longer serves you burn to ashes that can lovingly be returned to the earth. We are offered so many opportunities in this life to connect with the sacred and to commune with the divine. On this special, sacred night, the light is reborn. This evening, I invite you to ask your benevolent, wise, and well ancestors, helping spirits, and guides to make themselves known to you. Surrounded by their presence and love, my heart hope is that you never feel alone even in the darkest of nights, the coldest of days, and the hardest of times. On this, the longest night, I invite you to take a moment to bask in the warmth of their light and to know that you too carry this light within you. Your inner light shines as a beacon of life made manifest for those that live in the ethereal realms. It is your light that warms their heart, just as their light warms yours. This light can neither be created or destroyed, It is the song of the fabric of the universe, the carol of consciousness, and it lives within you, within all. May the blessings be plentiful, and may grace guide you and hold you into the coming year. This is the closing chant for Yule. By the earth which is her body, by the air which is her breath, by the living waters which are her womb, by the fires which are her bright spirit, the circle is open, And yet unbroken, merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Happy solstice and good Yule to you. In closing, may all that we do and say today and always be for the benefit of all beings. May we walk with integrity, honor and grace. May we welcome our shadow forward in service of revealing to us any wounds that need tending as we live this human life. May we never forget the passage of our ancestors, human and otherwise, that brought us into being. And may we thank the wise and well ones for their guidance and support. May we live our lives in safety, offered in service, guided by spirit. Thank you so dearly for joining me today. I look forward to connecting with you for episode two of season one in bulk. This episode was influenced by a great many authors, teachers, and wisdom keepers to whom I offer my humble gratitude and thanks, and include, but are not limited to, Glennie Kindred, Lisa Chamberlain, Danu Forrest, Susan Pejneka, Philip Cargom, Gwen Davies, Mirela Allwood, Becky Thomas, Douglas McQueen, Penny Billington, Judith, Judith Shaw, Dr. Sharon Blackie, Rachel White's, Sandra Ingerman, and Julie Kramer. This episode of Animisma was recorded on the traditional lands of the Ute Arapaho and Ocheti Shakaon, or Seven Council Fires. You can learn more about this episode, the Celtic Reel of the Year, find resources and more about upcoming episodes at thepathofintegrity.com forward slash animisma, which is spelled A-N-I-M-I-S-M-A. Animisma is brought to life by the magical Stephanie Halligan. You can learn more about her work at stephhalligan.com. S-T-E-P-H-H-A-L-L-I-G-A-N.com. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you'd like to hear more, I invite you to subscribe and to share amongst your community. To connect with me, please reach out via the Connect form, which can be found at thepathofintegrity.com forward slash connect.